everyone, and welcome to Printed and Ship It, the podcast where we talk games and making games. I'm Chris from Madison, Wisconsin, and with me, of course, is Adam from the Twin Cities. Adam, how's it going, man? What's up, Chris? Good. Going well. Glad to be back. Episode number two. Yeah, episode 102. 102. <laughs> no, <I> just can't. <laughs> episode two, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's nice to get back in front of the mic again, huh? Uh, so what have you been playing? Good question. Um, so I had the family in town this weekend. Awesome. They're, they're here for Mother's Day. Super cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And uh, my my parents are board gamers, and I love, love, love to teach them something new when they're, when they're, when they're in town. So I picked up... Super important them. to mention, not to cut you off. Yeah. Adam's dad is so cool and comes to Gen Con with us every year. So yes. very awesome. All right, come back. He comes to Gen Con, helps in the booth, helps volunteer in demo games. What a guy. Yep. Uh, so I taught him photosynthesis. Uh, that was the first one that we played that was on the on the deck and it was in the evening and we had the shade and it was very thematic because in the game (laughs) right it was beautiful sunny afternoon and uh in that game you're literally progressing from a seed to a tree to another tree to a larger tree and you're trying to kill your tree to score points and uh it is it's it's just a super um you know super thematic uh euro game but very very strategic as well um, there is a sun that rotates around the board. You're fighting and competing for uh, for that sunlight. If a tree that is the same size as you is next to you, in between you and the sun, you're not getting any sun. There's a bigger tree in front of you. You're potentially again not getting any sun. So, really, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, planning out cool that mechanic. rotation, super cool. Yeah, because it's one of those things where um, there's typically a turn where you're like, okay, I'm not going to get much sun this turn, but next, like. When it comes around here, I'm going to get a ton of sun, and then I'll be able to spend that going forward. How did the playthrough go? Uh, playthrough went really well. We had one player uh, that I, I kind of played uh, my wife's first two turns, and I I wasn't really thinking. I put her trees pretty close to each other, and that just gave her a, a rotten start. She blocked herself from sun. She had people blocking her. Accident, huh? <laughs> a big-time accident. <laughs> she usually wins the game, so it was okay. But you know, it's, other than that, I think everyone else was really pretty competitive, and understood the game uh on the first first go around it took us a little bit longer than i think usual but you know again learning game and yeah it is one of those games that it does a really good job of like hey like here's a card in front of you there's very limited actions and it's it's just a beautiful looking game so i feel like it just hits a broader audience yeah the, I, I will say the player board is really really nicely laid out has all of the possible actions and, and costs associated with them in front of you and it's just really easy to look down. And actually, it's pretty dang intuitive in terms of the numbers and the progression, um, what you're going to spend. The game is very three-dimensional and tactile. You're placing a tree. The tree literally is uh, two standees slotted together and placed on a board. So the bigger tree is literally bigger than the smaller tree. Yeah, it's such a, I mean, it's such an easy mechanic to understand. Like, okay, this tree is a small tree, and it's behind this big tree, and the sun is going down this line. I'm not going to score any um, sun points, or whatever they're called, this round. Yeah, and uh, I, I heard that they just won the men, one of the Mensa Awards this year, so that's oh, great awesome. to them, and uh, I think it you know, is well-deserved. Good game. Yeah, it was a very popular game at Gen Con last year. Yeah. I remember it sold out way too quickly, and when I got around to seeing it, I'm like, oh my god, I want this game. and was already gone i will say it you know in terms of the weight of the game like it would it it lends itself to look like a, a pretty light and simple game and actually the the rules and whatever the you know how, how to play how to learn it teaching it's pretty quick the, ru- the rule book's like four pages but it actually is pretty meaty in terms of the amount of decision space that you have in the game so 
props to them for yeah. making it simple, but also uh, really pretty strategic and deep. And they even have an expert mode in that game, which is pretty cool. So if you even want to take it one level further, they have some rules that are pretty simple that you can add on. Right on. Second game we played was called Seikatsu. Uh, I've been waiting to get this one on the table. Uh, this was one of our Gen Con trades, which is pretty awesome from last year. Awesome, yeah. And in this game, this is like a two to four player game, but it really is more of a two to three player game. The four player game is a team's. Um, oh, and still works pretty well. But the, the, the way that the game works is you are placing a tile on a uh, kind of a hex grid in a garden. You're looking to build the most beautiful view of the garden. Each player has a different view on the, uh, the I guess, the 120 degree angles of that hexagon. So there are three different perspectives and you score points based on your perspective. So your points are going to be different than someone else's points because you are looking at the board at a different angle. Very oh, mechanic. interesting. That's pretty crazy. Placing the, the tiles is fun because you have, uh, you have two things you're thinking about. Short-term decision, how many birds are next to it that are matching. Long-term decision, how many followers of the same type are in this column. That's going to be the long-term scoring mechanic. So it's super interesting, though, in terms of the um, perspective because uh, the, the next level player is always thinking about, okay, how does this impact me? But then how does it impact all my other opponents too on these other two angles or different perspectives? Interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, with the other angles you have to, like, you can play something that could be good for you, but also even better for your opponent. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think this one's going to be, uh, um, what did I say? I, I think I said it was a lanterns killer. So, you know, we, we have a, um, a lighter Euro tile game lanterns. And I think this one, you know, sure. it doesn't play the same player counts um, perfectly, but it it, oh, sure. it is more satisfying. For sure, you guys play four player. Uh, we did. We tried it the teams four player, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot quicker because you make a lot less decisions total. But um, the two player and the three player is it's really solid. Interesting. It's more of an abstract. It is, but or... I mean, again, like they put a theme on it, and so it doesn't feel abstract, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're and, right. Sure. Every game's abstract plays the theme. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I mean, but you have a card, right? Unless, unless you're playing the car- card game, the card game, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, well, yourself, yeah. I have been, yeah, I've been playing um, kind of the opposite of board games lately, doing a lot more digital. Um, both of mine are actually kind of roguelike or run-based okay. games. Um, the first one being Meteor Fall, which is a, a mobile game, um, which I recommend because there are no in-app purchases or ads it's a one-time payment game and you own it which is pretty awesome um but the premise of the game is you pick a standard rpg class rogue warrior whatever has kind of a goofy um adventure time type art style which i'm not super in love with but the game itself i think um kind of overcomes that art style for me um and the mechanic is just your decisions are yes or no swipe left or swipe right right. so (laughs) everything that you get is yeah it's very interesting mechanic in this day and age um where you have a it's a deck builder you play a card you can either swipe right to do the action of the card or you can do swipe left to regen your um what do they call it like in uh so So, like uh, yeah yeah you get a resource and like to play a card it requires a resource so it's kind of like okay i'm gonna swipe right to play this one Ooh, this is a spell that's not gonna help me right now swipe left to a resource and then after you do your battle it's all like okay swipe right to go to this town or swipe left to go to this crypt and all of it is very oh, like super cool it's surprisingly just simple like it, it it's really fun because the game has enough depth to it where um 
each fight is like, ooh, do I fight this guy? Do I not? I could just pass. I could go here. I could go there. But it's all just like the most simple, like easy mobile mechanic just to be like sitting on the couch or on the train or so you're whatever. So you only ever presented one um, card at a time or one decision at a time. Is that true? Yeah. So it's a yeah. deck builder and that that card comes up and it's like, okay, I know ooh, if I swipe this one left to get on points, I know this card's in my deck and it might come up next and it will give me whatever i'll have enough stamina or, or, or um, mana to yeah I mean, it's pretty interesting it, it, can you see what cards are coming next or is it always truly just like a hey this is the top card coming off it's a deck, and, it's it's a true yeah. deck builder and you can't see what you have but you do know what's right. in you don't deck. know the next card though so that's you can, cool you can, you can mill sure. cards out of it you can like say oh i want to get this card out i want to optimize my deck in this way and there's lots of different like like the war um what did i play i played like a mage most recently and they had like, oh, I was actually more of a cleric and there's like some healing spells or you can go like more like battle yeah. cleric. And it was, it was really interesting because it's like, I had a ton, the first time I played as a character, I had a ton of heal where I just like healed and healed and healed and they couldn't do anything to me, but I couldn't actually kill them. So <laughs> it was, it was, it's what it is, but to, uh, um, tabletop? and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, what games are there that are like, okay, you are presented with a yes yeah. or no decision. And it's, I mean, I think the thing to it is yeah. that it's so quick. It's like, oh. It doesn't matter if you lose on a run because you just restart. That's cool. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like how you would easily. I mean, I guess like a lot of games have that. Like, I think the thing is that the decision is so minimal that it's just so easy to go. Yeah, they almost distilled it down in in a lot of tabletop to to the very base of the the deck builder. You know, like if you don't have a hand of cards, you just have one. That's pretty amazing. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. and that was Meteor Fall. So the other game I've been playing is Dead Cells. And this is an early access theme game that's been out for a little while. But it's like a Metroidvania 2D side scrolling. Um, I don't want to say okay. beat em up, but kind of a hack and slash. But um, it's got really tight mechanics and that like, oh, OK, this guy has this style of attack and you have to attack him from range or roll past him and do things like that. But it's very run based in that. You're going to go so far, you're going to unlock different things. And then every level you collect cells um, and you spend those towards building your like um, arsenal up. So it's like, oh, I've unlocked the rapier and now I got to I mean, I have the plans for the rapier. and Now I need to get enough cells to actually build it. And then in my future runs, I could get that weapon. So it has that hook of getting you coming back where you just go, OK, I got I got a new thing. Okay. I can't wait to try it out. And maybe next game I'll get an even better thing or I'll make it a little further now because I have this thing. And it's a really interesting mechanic because it's one of those things that, and even the first game that I've ever tried to design, um, I wanted to have it as a roguelike. And I feel like I'm not sure um, what games are out there that have that exact feeling, but um, trying to figure that out. If, if anyone has any good recommendations out there for roguelike style yeah. board games. Well, and so know. dead cells is, I mean, you you die and you start over like typical roguelike right but then you talked about there's progression yeah say more about that yep yeah so like the thing is um the progression is really just new types of things to unlock but the game is also very um map based it's like okay you play a level and then that level is going to have two exits um one of the exits will take you to the crypt one of the other exits will take you to the whatever the sewers and then each one of those levels have branches so it's kind of like okay this run, I'm going to go to the crypt and then I'm going to go to the clock tower afterwards. And in the clock tower, I have a chance of unlocking this, this or this. So it just kind of has like variable locations as well as like, oh, if I make it to that location, I may get this type of new weapon. So it just kind of That's has cool. that um, 
that like I don't want to call it a grind, but like when you have a good run and you're just like, oh man, I'm gonna, I've never made it this far before. It just kind of goes okay. We got to be careful. Heightened yeah. sense of awareness, and then you die, and then you go like, oh no, but then you just hit start again. And hey, man. So I, I, I uh, definitely am uh, downloading Meteor Fall right now as we speak. So good recommendation, man. Yeah, would recommend. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe future episodes we kind of talk. We should talk through like the translating roguelikes to um, board, the board gaming world. I think that um, like there are games obviously in the board gaming world that do have persistence. Um, obviously, like pretty much any sort of RPG and things like that. But I'm trying to think of games, and I'm sure there are some that are out there that are very run based. Sure. Like okay, you start with five cards, and then when you're going to earn things, but then when you die, you're going to go back to five cards or you're going to, you're going to get to keep. One I've of seen the cards a few, uh, so. you know, small roguelikes come through Kickstarter. Like I, I want to say there was like one called like five minute dungeon or something like that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. Well, I, I don't know if it out. was exactly, but it sounded like it just based on, on the, you know, how you could churn through the, the level really quick. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess, we can just kind of transitioned into um, what yeah. we've been working on. So we got on, a little so. bit of a Adam. feature segment. We're going to start it off with what we've been working on. Um, the latest is a game design. We don't really have a name for it right now, but the inspiration for it was uh, we, we love the game uh, Hearthstone. It's a digital card game. Both of us play it. Uh, we, we get super jazzed and excited for new content expansion releases. Um, it's a love-hate relationship. relationship. Sure. It has, it's, <laughs> It's like it's a it's games. a collectible card game in a digital format. Um, it's not the cheapest game to get hooked on, and it has definitely has a barrier to entry. That being said, um, one of the inspirations for this new tabletop prototype that we're working on is is like how do you capture the essence and some of the fun of that that type of a game, but do it in a way that. Uh, meets a wider market. And so what I, what I mean by that is, is I, I have seen so many people try to design their own collectible card game or tradable card game or yep. living card game. Yep, um, it's of one of the most popular things to design. Uh, if you go on to Reddit or some of the really um, Facebook groups for design, people are always talking about it. They got cards, they got, it, it, it's super artwork intensive, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Yeah, if you think about it, there's a ton of art. There's a and lot there's a of balance. Lot of there's a lot of variables. You know, and there's not that yeah. much differentiation between one versus the other. Now, I, I'm oversimplifying things, you know. And but even if there is. Like, well, even if there is, there's so many of it. Like, it's so easy to get buried by the big guys out there, right? Like, Fantasy yeah. Flight has a ton of them. Um, I mean, obviously, there's magic. I mean, there's it's a hard this is, and this is to me i mean this is one of my white whales of game design is like I, I would love to be the tinkerer that's pulling the levers of a card game and saying this is the next set that's coming out or this is the power level on this card because of xyz i think that is just super compelling from a game design standpoint. sure i i in like that world is so scary to me and that like making it from scratch just sounds so scary but being able to like criticize and tweak yeah sounds so wonderful. so coming at this a little bit from a market perspective um i said to myself i was like okay well if if we're if if i was going to entertain the op- the idea of working on a minion battling card game how would i do it um and it just that's kind of the essence of this right is that it's a really a focus on like that hearthstone feeling of i have a, a minion yeah. on the board and i have like my health and 
they have minions and they have the puzzle. Like, obviously, there's a lot of minions. It's kind of like a two-player yes. puzzle. You're like, how do I smash my little 1-1 one, one minion in, you know, most efficiently into the other opponent? Is it going to go into his minion or is it going to go into his face? And those are kind of the decisions you make in this game. And yeah. I wanted to like, you know, and there's a lot more to it, but I wanted to uh, bring that to life in a way that was very like approachable, you know? So, um, Again, white whale. How do you make this happen? Um, I kind of, I kind of stepped at, uh, outside the box and said, well, "What if? Well, hey, like we're just kind of shooting the shit again. Hey, Chris, what if we pit? What if we approach this in a completely different uh, angle? And we, we we took a look at the market appeal here, the, the market potential, and said, okay, minion battling is a thing that seems fun and seems like we can, um, you know, have some fun designing a game around that. What if we just take that concept yep. and put it into a different?" Uh, I don't want to say a genre, but a different weight in a different audience. Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about the audience that is willing to play uh, any sort of LCG or CCG game, I mean, you're already, there's a barrier to entry already, right? Like, to play, you need to understand oh, totally. how to, like, there's starter decks and things like that. But to be competitive, you have, you to, have to be willing, willing to, to understand the learning curve. You have to be willing to kind of invest in the uh, enough content and cards to be able to even have a total deck you know so whether it's buying that starter pack or you know borrowing uh one from someone you know one of your friends or even with a living card game i mean like there's potentially 100 plus cards that you need to understand how the mechanics work and how they how they um all function to be able to really uh get value from that experience um and so what it comes yeah go ahead so i mean the oh go ahead i was gonna say so i mean the objective here was really to give that feeling those that thought process that you run into while you're playing the game, but eliminate that yeah. initial. Barrier. So how can we make a CCG that we can play with our parents? You know, like that's kind of what it comes down to. How do you make it really approachable? Super simple. Um, and so we said, well, what if we almost wrapped this up as like, a, a, like a micro game and the, the pitch came out and we said, well, what if we did a CCG meets love letter, you know, super simple in and out in like 10 or 20 minutes tops. And you felt like you made some some CCG type decisions, some minion battling type decisions. Um, you didn't need to come with a pre-built deck. I mean, just make it super easy and, and interesting and market it towards more and more of the micro game or board game crowd. So that's kind of the pitch here. That's kind of the vision. We've gone through now, I think, two or three prototypes, and we're kind of at this inflection point. This inflection point is is one that comes up in game design very often where you're uh you're you're trying to do things to make it fun, but you are not necessarily trying to do things uh, that always stick towards your vision. So you have to be flexible here. You have to be flexible to find the fun, and yep. then but you always always have to keep in mind what was the initial vision. So we were we're literally at a crossroads right now in this yeah. game. Do we shift it t- more towards the the collectible card game audience? We know there's an audience. We know what we can make a game that resonates with that market. Um, but you know like or or do we bring it back do we reel it back in and say okay let's let's realign this thing and refocus it towards our initial vision so anyway yeah i think i, I think in that scenario um there's also a third option where we make the miracle oh, game that does both, right and that's and that's kind of the dream um because that's the thing is i mean i have played those games i mean we play hearthstone i mean i've played like netrunner and stuff like that i don't get deep into those games just because uh, I know there's a, like, yeah. a level of commitment to them, but like us 
and I think our friend group are like the idea of that type of game. But if you could bring a game to the table that gave you a lot of the feelings of that those games without yep. that commitment, then that's kind of the the long term goal. So like you you could get the person who is super into the CCG, but at the same time get the person who has never played one in their life, and then exactly it, it's bridging the gap between the CCG, you know, the the CCG enthusiast and the the just the gamer enthusiast, right? Yeah, I think this is like um, one of the things that we talk about with our games a lot is that like, what is the vision or what is the goal of the game? Like, who is the like, I think who is the audience is um, a common thing that we ask ourselves, right? Because even working on sword crafters, we were like, okay, if we do this, is that going to be a really heavy gamery thing? Or is this going to be something that's going to keep the game light yeah. to a lighter Artwork audience? Tweaks, so. Theme tweaks, and I think that's, tweaks, they, they can all shift yeah. it one way or the other. You know, you really, I think sticking true to the vision is probably the best advice that we're going to, you're going to hear. But at the same time, it's so tempting, so, so tempting to, to make these little twists once you hear feedback, you know? Yep. And I think that's the thing is that I don't want to tell someone, Hey, have a vision and just be yeah. rigid with it. You know, like, you, you can't do that. Like you have to be willing to, at the, I don't want to say burn, burn it to the ground and start over. But at the same time, you have to be willing to go, okay, have this guiding light, but don't make it a guarantee. Like you can, you can waver from it if, if, if necessary, just know, like just realign your goals of what you want to be doing. Yeah. If, if your audience, if our audience is, um, we make a change and it's like, Oh, you have to love CCGs to enjoy this. Then does, is that a smart yeah, change? So here's here's a question yeah. for me. And, and, you know, I know we talked about doing like kind of pros and cons and stuff like that. But I think I think what we wanted to try in this this episode was just ask each other questions that, to try to um, tease out some of these uh, some of these ideas. What's going through our head right now? Um, we're obviously going to work on this more. We're obviously going to have future updates on this and where it went or and, and how this conversation ended up. But right now, my question is, should we go after the defined market, the LCG, the CCG, the, you know, the TCG? Or not? Should we go after the undefined market, the market that we, you know, we don't know how to find the fun in yet? Um, what, what do we do? Uh, I think that's a really great question. Um, I mean, just based off of the things we've been saying, like how difficult that market is to break into. Like, I think going after, I don't say it's not really going after, yeah. but it's appealing to, right? It's not like we're saying there's a difference between saying, hey, this is the game you're going to play instead of magic like that's an insane proposition We're not right? but this is that. a game that you can play exactly well and i think that's the important thing is like yeah making it that making that the case saying hey all we're saying I me mean, like if you are into these types of games sure. you will also like this game but not to the point where you like market it solely sure. to that group of people, so, right? so maybe rephrasing that question a little bit um what 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 if it, it, what, what if we end up in, in the situation where we can change it and go pivot it more towards the CCD market or the LCG market and make it fun. And that's great. We, we can go that route. Um, and, and so, okay, maybe uh, stepping back and, and rethinking my thoughts. Um, what if we can't find the fun in the new market? Do we, what, what do we do? Do we kill it or do we go towards the defined market? Um, I think that's interesting, right? Because if if you can't find fun well, in it's it, it's the undefined then, market, though. So this know, is like the, the micro game CCG, it, right? Like 
the that that's the pitch that we're working towards right now. That's the vision. If we cannot find the fun in the vision, do we kill it or do we uh, go towards a more defined market and try to make try to make it work? Um, I guess that really just depends on. I mean, like if it's an issue of hey, sure. we've tested it and it's just not fun, like as a game, like even like removing the audience altogether, like saying hey, this is just like this is just something we're not having fun doing, then I think that's a yeah. bigger question, of course. But, um, and the answer to that question yeah, is, yeah, no, totally. we, should, we should pivot away. <laughs> but, um, but just like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think you want to lean too heavily one direction or the other, right? Because if you do, then, like, if you lean way too far into the, like, lighter micro game side, then you're, like, you're not right. going to get I that other audience. But if you lean, like, I think, the audience of people who are who are willing to play a game that is not that are not CCGers is significantly bigger than people who are on the side of a CCG yeah, yeah. like LCG, right? So then, it's, shouldn't we lean the idea is that, that way? I mean, and if, just say we don't care if the CCG if it resonates with with the the, the you know the typical LCG CCG audience. I think that's a good point. Yeah, like, hypothetically, yeah, but, right. But then, like, is it is it then just a board like game that just has like the the components and concepts of a CCG, and so we we don't even like call it that at all. We would just completely call it a, like we would just call it a board game or a micro game or a card game, and we'd almost brand it differently. But then be drawing from the inspirations from some of that genre. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's the thing is that in the like maybe I'm assuming this incorrectly, yeah, but yeah. in the end, I think that's what it is, right? It's a board. It, it is a board game. Like it's not going to be a, hey, buy these right, packs, no, buy yeah. these packs, buy these packs. It's it's like, it is a board game, and and really, it just comes down to, well, one art and making people like understand what kind of game it might be, just like visually without even playing it, and then two, just finding the market to yeah. show it so to, or like there's a get few points of experience on this one I wanted to bring up too. So during the truck off, uh game development and Kickstarter campaign. I started taking that game to meetups and it, it had been played with friends and, you know, friend groups, whatever. And it was resonating really well as some take that in, in there. I brought it to meetups and I started getting feedback yep. that there was too much take that. And so this was a yep. giant inflection this, yeah. point or potential inflection point in the game development. Now this is, I think this happens. This is, you can expect yes. this to happen when you see more feedback from a new audience new feedback coming in you know yep. you're going to question your initial vision your initial designs and say what do i do so we yep. ended up reaching out actually uh the designer of this one ryan lambert um trucker truck off reached out to a guy in town um from great northern games named jay meyer and he gave his perspective from one of his initial games he made a super backstabby uh game and he had the same crossroads that he came through and he said to his he said to himself, he essentially wrote us like a 200, you know, like it was a giant email, right? And he essentially, what it boiled down to, the yep. too long didn't read was um, like, you cannot make a game that is going to please everyone. And so don't try. Make sure that you're, you know yep. exactly what your product yep. needs to be, your game needs to be, and make lean hard, as hard yep. as you can into that. And so um, what we ended up doing with Truck Off was we actually made a family friendly and they take that rule set so we tried to pivot uh or we, we tried to cover a larger larger audience yeah. appeal i think that that was smart but 
We didn't change the take that. It's still that, wham, bam, out. take that, you know? Exactly. Well, and that's the thing is that the I essence totally of that game is that. So eliminating right. it removes the essence of it. And that's the thing is, but I don't say, I don't say the essence, it's the vision of it, right? Like the vision of that game was a light, quick game that has, um, I mean, it has some random, but you, you are in control and you have the ability to kind of either use that control to punish or use that control to um, kind of be nice to people. But in the end, I think that that was the vision. And, and, and to your point, like when you bring a game to um, a whole new gaming group, um, it can be very different, especially totally. take that as a very interesting mechanic to bring to a larger, um, like a newer group, because if that group is friends and they can handle that, yeah. then sometimes they will love it. Yeah. If it's a group of random people, then it's kind of, it's a little hard to do the take that because it's kind of like, you know, when I'm playing a game and I have the ability to take that against um, my brother-in-law or whatever, I'm like, haha, it's a funny thing. And we'll talk about it in the future. But if it's, a random person then it's kind of like it, well it's, it's not a, it's only is it harder, harder right? but people will look for an opportunity to like uh smother the take that elements of the game and almost penalize them their own like themselves will be like well maybe i'll do it on my own yeah. truck and you know get him shut down and it's like what are you doing yeah. like, that's a horrible yeah. decision just to avoid yeah. or, or you end up in a situation where it's um two people that came together and sure, they know each other and then there. everyone yeah. else is randoms and then you end up you have the gang up and then it's it's really hard because i mean obviously you want to take that feedback right like when when someone tells you that like about your game you go okay yes i think you're right like that that could be this way but like you just need to like remind them that hey this is the type of game that it is and this is the scenario where it may not be great but like judge it right. on the merit of so what it is um, one more p- piece of experience i know we got to wrap up pretty soon but sort for sword crafters we kind of went through this yeah uh as well and so we 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 initially made the game and we sent it out to prototype uh, to reviewers with the simplest, most mass market rule set that had ever been played on it. We, yeah. we dumbed it down as yeah. far as we could so that because, OK, so this game was interesting because like you're building a three dimensional sword in it and that takes a little bit of a learning curve. Now, people get it after like two or three rounds, you know, and they start to get proficient at it. But, um, yep. you know, young, younger audience, right, like age six uh, and up, it might take them a little bit longer to understand the scoring. So we dumbed it down as far as possible. Now, we actually heard feedback from our, some of our reviewers and previewers that like, hey, we love the game concept, but it was pretty it was the simple. game itself. And so we, little, it was really interesting because we had these advanced rules yeah. tucked in, you know, on the rule book and like that's actually the game that we ended up publishing. Yeah. But um and the advanced rules are yep. so much better than the initial rules, but we but we were like we were worried about I, I yes. think satisfying the mass market at a Kickstarter level, and that just didn't make sense. Yeah, we were so focused on Yeah, it was very interesting because we were very focused on um trying to make a game that could right. just Everyone. be played yeah. by anyone. And we almost lost sight of the well. Yeah, the course will anyone yeah, will so want to play it? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we caught that. And like, there were, I think there were, that was one example. There were more examples that we could probably bring up. But again, like figuring out um, where that right game weight, that vision, that audience is, and sticking to it, I think is really important. Now, the good thing that we did with Swordcrafters was we stayed pretty dang true to the rules to the 
the initial vision, like you're making a sword. We yep. had a lot of people ask along the way, like, hey, shouldn't we be fighting monsters? Because we have these swords and we, we kept struggling internally with this yep. question, like, how do we get monsters into the yeah, game? We, we did, know? then we didn't, then we did. We bought monster oh arts gosh. and we had we, that. We monsters. Then we, this, is, this is totally another episode. We could go so far. Yeah, we go so far on the should we do monsters? And if you've seen the final version of Swordcrafters, you know that the, they're a little bit tweaked. Well, they're, they're kind they're of in there, in but there, they're not. But you're but, not fighting them. Um, we can what at the end of the day, you're a sword crafter. Yeah. You're well, not a sword sense. fighter. You're not. Yeah, at the end of the day. Exactly. And that's the thing is when people hold a sword, they want to start beating stuff up, right? But like right. the theme of the game is building a sword. Your blacksmith doesn't like start <laughs> pounding on the sword, then go not out and slay a goblin and <laughs> come back in as a combat. Yeah, maybe, maybe someday. Yes, maybe someday. Know, I don't. Um, I don't want to judge. Yeah, so that that's a pretty good wrap. I mean, awesome, I, I would say just real quick on this this CCG LCG game where we have it right now. We have like a a hand of like five to six cards. I, th- I want to test it at more of a micro game level, like two to three cards, and just really make it uh, and maybe even test simultaneous plays to eliminate all the downtime from the game. So we'll see where that ends up. But let's let's get into the wrap up and the final thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just kind of want to remind everyone to um, check out our Facebook page, um, Adam's Apple Games on Facebook, and please feel free to message, um, post, or um, let us know um, feedback on the podcast, or if you have any questions, we'd be happy to um, kind of either deep dive into something that we kind of alluded to, or finding your vision. Let um, us know, and we'll uh, we'll chat it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and otherwise, you can reach us at Adam's Apple Games on Twitter um, or also reach Sweet out man. on adamsapplegames.com. All right, that's it. All right. Check them. All right. Thanks, everyone. Check them. Good episode.